University. Radio Bath. They think it's all over. It is now. It's Hello and welcome back to another episode of They Think It's All Over. It's been a few, well, months now actually since we did our last podcast, but we thought we'd get the band back together, seeing as we have the new start of the Premier League season and have a chat about what's going on. So welcome to the usual lineup of uh, David Morgan. All right, mate. Good to be back. Uh, Scott Hyron. Oi, oi. How's it going? And Matthew Dawes. You're right, mate. How's things? Yeah, very good. Good to have you all back again and chatting. But uh, yeah, we, we, we've got to start with those opening three weekends of the Premier League season. What an opening three weekends it's been. Probably the most exciting in, well, a very long time. Yeah, I'd agree. It's been... Unbelievable to watch. I mean, I've basically watched every single game as as you boys would expect, but <laughs> been, obviously <laughs> not left your sofa probably. Literally, you know, the Sky Sports subscription has made a big dent in my back pocket, but it's been worth every penny really because honestly, it's you been mean amazing. Back yeah, I've got, you know, <laughs> so you don't yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's been it's been great to watch. Obviously, United haven't been great, but I mean, other than that, plenty of goals, plenty of controversy. It's good. It's good to have it back. Yeah, it's been really enjoyable. Hyron, what's your highlight from the opening few weeks? Um, I don't know. I suppose, I suppose it's it, just the amount of goals. I'm, I'm loving. I'm loving seeing these high-scoring games. Um, I mean, I, I love the the, uh, the Liverpool Leeds game, which was basically an opener to what a season this would is looking to be so far. Yeah, like it's ridiculous. Four-three four, uh, thriller. Um, but I think Leeds obviously showed themselves quite well in that game and in um, the consequent games as well um, and I'm quite excited to see how they kick on for the rest of the season. Yeah I think Leeds have been really one of the surprise packages haven't they I think mm. everyone expected they'd do okay but to get two wins from three and then come close to beating the champions or especially the champions who were running away with it last year I don't think anyone thought they'd do this well. No, I mean Paddy Bamford is Majestic, isn't he? I mean, I've been. Bamford. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually sorry. <laughs> Go love Paddy Bamford, mate. I mean, with Paddy. <laughs> he's dealt me in three weeks in a row on fantasy, mate. But he's been he's been a sensation. Um, I thought he would struggle really to make that leap up into the Premier League. I always sort of saw him as a Championship striker, really. But he's been amazing. Um, as well, as well it's funny because uh, Leeds signed a new striker, didn't they? But he can't get in the side. Yeah, I mean, they, they signed Spain starting number nine and he can't get anywhere near Bamford. So just shows how, how good of an impact he's had so far. But I think Biesla, I think we always knew he's, his style would work well in the Prem, but it really is showing that I think they could easily finish in the top half of the table. Yeah, he loves sitting on his little box, doesn't he? And uh, <laughs> having his pack of nuts and his coffee. It's too good, mate. <laughs> Strange yeah. guy, but it seems to be working. Yeah, for no, I, think, sure. I think their years sort of bottling it have helped them out because they've only got stronger and stronger each year to then bottle it to the point where they're much stronger than most teams are when they come up. Yeah, it's really good to see it. I guess it's really good for the fans of, at Leeds as well to finally have something to celebrate, although no fans in the stadium, so a little bit difficult for that at the moment. Yeah, it's a real shame. Obviously, Ellen Road is one of the sort of best stadiums in, in the country, really, but it's a shame that obviously the fans are going to be packing the stands every week um obviously yeah. they've got city coming up on saturday i mean imagine the atmosphere there 
you know, them on the back of a win and City on the back of a humiliating defeat, they'd be bouncing. So mm. it's a shame. It's the same on that point, but I'm sure the Leeds fans will be more than happy to see their team in the Prem. I'm sure they'll see their fans uh, next season, unlike Fulham, who are looking, um, <laughs> as I predicted, pretty dire at the minute. As I say, you said, Dawes, earlier in our group chat that Paddy Power have already paid out on Fulham getting relegated. Yeah, so if you put any bets on <laughs> before the season of Fulham to get relegated, they've literally paid it out after three games. I think that's the earliest they've ever done it, even earlier than Derby County all those years ago where they were a shambles. And I think now that the only market you can look at for Fulham on Paddy Power is whether they'll get more points than Derby did in that season. So <laughs> that that's, sums it all up, really, doesn't it? Um, that's think, ridiculous. Yeah, they, they look woeful, don't they? Obviously, Mitrovic is the only sort of hope of that they've got of staying up if he can sort of bang 15 goals or something. But at this point, they're just defensively atrocious, really. I mean, yeah, I was watching that game against Aston Villa last night and the sort of only out ball was get it to the wing-backs, put it on Mitrovic's nut and hope it goes in. Yeah. Nothing else. <laughs> I mean, it's shocking. <laughs> I mean, Carrigo in the studio was actually saying that him and Keane were laughing at the defensive mistakes that they were making. I mean, they've got no chance. They really have got not a hope of staying up this season. Um, I feel I do feel quite sorry for Scott Parker. Obviously, he's out of his depth. Um, and I think it's a shame that Brentford weren't in the Prem because I think they'd have put a much better showing. Um, but I completely agree. It is what it is. So, yeah, that's looking like a pretty nailed-on option for relegation. But further up the table, apart from maybe Liverpool, I think it's uh, anyone's game at the moment. I think even Arsenal have improved a lot this season, David. What what do you make of your season so far? I mean, obviously, the first two games were, were good results. You know, West Ham was a bit shaky and it was Fulham, you know. Um, and who've proven to just be relegation fodder, really, from day one. Um, but I think the score's looking better than it was last season. St- obviously, still, um, you know, room for improvements and six days left in the market. Hopefully, we'll do something. Or is it even five now? Yeah, five days. Yeah, but, not long to go to uh, bring the players in. But obviously, Arsenal coming off the back of two trophy wins, in fact, uh, FA Cup and a Community Shield. Who, so Jose probably, Mourinho, you know, like, counting the community yeah, Mickey, shields a trophy. Mick, you know? Mickey Mouse, mate, Mickey. <laughs> it's not made of plastic doors, the community shield. It is, <laughs> it's, it's still a trophy. Oh, dear. It's not a trophy. It's a friendly. You counted it in your treble, didn't you? No, that Mourinho did. Mourinho did. I never your manager. That. Yeah, well, that's Mourinho. He so the person anything. that's running your team counted this as a treble. Mourinho would count the Asian Cup as a tr- as a trophy. You know what? That's what he's sort of, you know. What, so, what I mean, was it? The Audi Cup. The Audi Cup. You think well, that's the Champions League equivalent, like you know? But oh god. Yeah. So uh, Arsenal looking, I'd say, significantly better than last season. Obviously, after a bit of a shambolic year. What do you think is the your ambitions for this year? I mean, I wouldn't have thought you could challenge for the title. But I guess no, it's no, out- that, that that's still that's still a way off. I think top four is a sort of it's it's a realistic ambition you know it's not it's not no one would say it's impossible that we'd get top four this season you know we've made some good signings in Gabriel I think and Saliba we haven't seen really yet but hopefully those two can really improve our defense and then hopefully we can add a midfielder before the transfer window is over I mean I think the, the biggest signing for Arsenal has got to be a new contract for Aubameyang that's a huge win for your club really yeah, definitely. It was. I mean, it it seemed, it stretched on for the whole summer. It seems like they kind of they just there they was there were so many sort of false hints and stuff like 
he'd sort of send us a cryptic tweet oh, to get, and then, and then, yeah, every all the Arsenal fans were just going to melt down about the fact that he's signed the ting. Oh, no. I think that seems to be the thing at the moment is like players putting out a couple of emojis on Twitter. And all fans are sent into absolute madness about what those emojis might mean. Yeah, fans are like decoding them like hieroglyphics, looking at sort of all the different <laughs> meanings that each emoji has. Oh, God. Ridiculous. The worst one I've seen was City doing a like one day left or 24 hours to go and on their Twitter only to unveil a gaming shirt for their um, I think their FIFA side or something oh, oh I saw that it was awful wasn't that when you were linked with Messi this? as well <laughs> yeah I think, I think the, so. Messi, so, the peak of the Messi drama about <laughs> 60% of comments are announced Messi 30% <laughs> announced Koulibaly and then the rest are just like Koulibaly, what are you dude. doing I mean it was a bit crazy all of that with uh, Lionel Messi what, what did you make of it Hiram we've not really spoken about it much on, on the group chat but he, you know, at one point looked like he was going to sign for Man City the next morning. Did you think it was actually ever going to happen? Um, I had, it looked pretty odds on at one point, but I, I definitely did get excited. Um, and if it wasn't for uh, Bartomeu being um, basically a corrupt, almost prison officer, um, <laughs> Messi would be at Manchester oh City God. right now. Um, Whatever he'd do in terms of how he'd fit in with our tactics is another thing, but Messi would surely have been at City if it wasn't for Bartomeu. So it is what it is, um, but he's got a year left and it's obviously going to be interesting to see what Messi will do after that year. He might decide uh, if the plans of Barcelona look better, he might actually stay. Um, So it is what it is. At the end of the day, he's 33. I would have loved to have had him, but... At the end day, we don't. So we've still got a world-class side and we've just got to focus mm. on what we actually do need to uh, sort out. I mean, it's interesting you say City have got a world-class side, but obviously <laughs> got drubbed 5-2 on the weekend by Leicester, which I don't think anyone really saw coming. And I think um, Pep's still got quite a lot of work to do, really, to make City a title challenger this year. What, what do you think has been the, the real failings so far this season for you? Um... I, th- I think the way that we crumble when we come up against a side like Leicester, uh, it's not the first time it's happened. I mean, it's happened against United. It's happened against uh, Lyon. It's, ha- it's happened against many different sides, against Arsenal as well um, in the FA Cup. And we just can't seem to cope with um, sort of the midfield and the defence, really. It's like something's been going on there for a wee while. Um, we haven't got a natural lead at the back. And I think we have obviously missed say Vincent company for example but we have got we have had so many injuries and obviously every team's got the same excuses and stuff as well like we can't be exempt from it um I think given our standards are so high it is obviously a real shock but I think um we have just been very depleted at the minute with 13 senior players but I'm I am confused with Pep sometimes and um the game (laughs) against Leicester was no exception I don't know Hmm. what because after we brought off Fernandinho, it all we like it all went downhill pretty much. We weren't doing great at that point anyway, but I I'm just a bit confused. But as long as we get Ruben Diaz, who's coming in, uh, probably announced tonight or tomorrow, uh, which is a natural-born leader. Hopefully, then we can actually do a little bit better. Yeah, I hope so as well because we think we really need some title challenges to Liverpool again, or they're going <laughs> to run away with it. 
I just want to take you back 12 months, Dorsey, because we talked, well, probably had a very similar conversation about Manchester City this time last season. And I distinctly remember you saying, no Champions League, no Premier League, Pep is out. Yeah. You said, you know, he should walk out, if not be sacked, yeah. if uh, he didn't win anything. Do you still stand by those comments or do you think Pep's still got a project to continue with? I, th- I think he should have gone in the summer, in all honesty. Whether he announces that he does it himself, you know, he's never managed a team for more than four years. So this would be his fifth season at City. I don't know. I, I looked at him on the bench on Saturday and I just thought, does he really look bothered? I honestly don't think he does. Um, whether it's he knows his team's not good enough or something, but he spent all this money at City. And for me, his reputation is tarnishing every every day, really. Um and I did actually have a question to you boys to sort of put out there that if Pep and Klopp left English football today, who would have the bigger legacy? Oh, I mean, it's it's difficult, but yeah, one that springs to mind immediately is is Klopp. I um, mean, he's won yeah. the big difference being the Champions League. Exactly. I mean, obviously, yeah. City's done the hundred points, and they've done all this domestic. They've got the hundred points. Liverpool they did win it back to back as well. Like, I, I, think they, I think if Klopp wins it this year, it's no longer a debate. Like, yeah. I think you know, back to back prems and um, a Champions League, it's no longer a debate, really. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's too, it's tough to call at the moment. I think yeah, I, I think it's a fair comment. I think. I would obviously still go Pep personally. I think this season would be almost a decider because, yeah, like um, Dave just said, Champions League, Premier League, I suppose those were back-to-back. We've done Premier Leagues back-to-back, but with um, other domestic success as well, including three uh, Carabao Cups in a row, an FA Cup as well. To put all of those combined is a massively impressive feat. And I think um, Pep's done a magnificent job with us. I, th- I I do know what you're saying, Dawes, in terms of, like, on the weekend, for example, he doesn't look quite the same, and I, and I don't know if he's fed up with... I don't even know if he's fed up with life, to be honest, whether he coronavirus... Looks, he looks lost, <laughs> he, uh, on, 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 honestly, I, I do get what you're saying. He looks he, lost, mate. He looks completely lost, didn't he? I, I, don't, I don't know if he's struggling in the per- his personal life at the minute. His I mean, his family have moved back to Barcelona, right, as far as I know. Uh, his mother died, like, during the... like due to coronavirus and I, and, I, and I don't know if there's a personal thing there that's affecting him it's hard to say um and again the squad is a little bit depleted and it, it's it's just not the, a normal season is it so I think this season's going to be the key one but obviously Liverpool have started off strongly but uh, it's interesting because I think in, in a sort of in the context of the Premier League you probably put them equal but I think if you ask the fans of either club that I think Liverpool fans would feel more strongly about Klopp than yeah. City fans do about Pep, probably because he got them their first championship in over thirty years. Probably, I yeah. think that's that's the difference. Is that Klopp turned around, you know, quote thirty years of hurt, whereas Pep has kind of just he's carried on the dynasty and he, he's he's improved City, but they were already were yeah. good, you know. Whereas Klopp has completely turned Liverpool around. Yeah, and of course Pep spent all this money. I mean, the money he spent is well four hundred million on defenders alone is just. Well, for me, it's embarrassing. You know, you look at Mendy, Walker, Ake, Stones, Cancelo. That's on your bench, like these these players here that 
you know, that's two hundred million pounds, and they could be on your bench. I mean, that week. that kind of spending on defence must be a similar level to a, a small country. You know, I mean, <laughs> Rod, I'm, I'm sure you've got the numbers to back it up. But... Oh, I, I, I just so happened to have the tab open on my laptop. <laughs> I knew he'd have it open. I knew he'd have it open. Obviously. So four hundred million. That like is that across four transfer windows? Four years, isn't it? Four years, yeah. 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 So Zimbabwe in a year. <laughs> spend 100 million on it which is about yours and they're 122nd in the world that's ridiculous so, isn't it but if you look at sort of the odd window you know you're, you're, you're almost breaching top 100 on the occasional window like really it's, well this, it's just this window they're not going to be far off are they with with diaz and ake they're, they're going to be you know knocking on the door of a top 100 country yeah, potentially. You know, one if they if they signed a third one, then they could. You know, they could over like for example, Burkina Faso. They spend one hundred thirty million a year, but it does go up quite steeply by then. You have to go past two hundred million to go past Chad or Turkmenistan. I think even for yeah, Pep, took, that's a bit too much. Like, yeah, Turkmenistan, a big world player, really. Aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in, all, in all seriousness, though, Hyron, I'm I'm concerned about City this season. I mean, before the season, I thought, okay, obviously Pep will be sort of determined now. Didn't win the league, didn't win the Champions League. Gets a few more players in and they could really go for the title. Obviously, I think I thought Liverpool would sort of drop off and have that, oh, we've done it now. We can sort of chill for this year. Maybe focus on the Champions League again or something. But I don't know. It, it didn't look good on the weekend. It really didn't. It really didn't. I'm, I'm concerned, mate. I'm really, I'm concerned. Yeah, it it it, w- it wasn't great, but it's it's still far too early to to sort of say these things. It's we've seen that happen before, where teams don't come out of the gates so quickly, and then they don't do so well. But I I think I I think we'll be fine. At least we'll, we'll get top two. I think fine, and I think Liverpool, as much as they're like nine and nine now. Uh, they have showed signs of frailties. I mean, Arsenal could have took some chances yesterday, albeit Liverpool were the better side. They were brilliant but yesterday. The, but the lead, the Leeds game as well, I think, showed a lot of um, like their frailties. And when you go to like the expected, if if you look at the statistics of the expected goals scored and ex- assisted, they've exceeded um, on both those statistics throughout both seasons on such a level which you don't really expect. To see that happen again, I really can't imagine it happening again. I know, obviously, having potent forwards and a great goalkeeper make these things happen, but to exceed it so much as they have, and goalkeepers making mistakes like they always have against them, <laughs> the surely on that can't happen again. I oh, think don't that... get me started on the Liverpool refs. <laughs> I, I think I think the main problem with it is that you look at potential challengers. Yeah, maybe Liverpool won't do as well as they did last season, but they still need someone to challenge them. City not looking in shape yet. Maybe they can improve that with some signings over the next few weeks. United, we'll talk about them a little bit later, but I feel like most people thought Chelsea would Mm. be kicking on and pushing up there for that, for that title challenge this year. They had a really good season last year with a, you know, a really young squad and they've made some great signings over the summer. Yeah. They've not been able to keep pace over the first few weeks. Yeah. I, I I predicted them second. Um, behind City before the season started. Um, obviously, they've had Pulisic and Ziyech both injured, which has hit them massively, I think, because those two are sensational players, especially Pulisic, who, for me, was the best player in the league um, after restart. He was just almost unplayable at times. So I think once those two get 
back from their injuries, they'll be much stronger. But they're already five points behind Liverpool. I mean, we've only played three games. And the way Liverpool are playing, it's sort of hard to sort of bridge that gap once once they get ahead. So it'll be interesting to see what they do once once the big boys come back. Obviously, Chilwell as well, because I think Marcus Alonso is just an embarrassment these days. You're absolutely outclassed against West Brom. Um, but I think defensively, I just can't. Thiago Silva making mistakes. I don't know. I, I maybe I over overhyped them and sort of praying that they'd finish above Liverpool. But I think realistically they'll be in a top four battle with the likes of us and Arsenal and Spurs, maybe. But yeah, we'll see what happens once the big boys come back. But yeah, hopefully it's not too late. That's true. Yeah, Everton as well. Obviously, I genuinely think they'll be a top four contender. Especially they'll they'll be there if one of the big boys sort of makes some mistakes like United do or Spurs bottle it or something, then they'll be right up there as well. Yeah, I think Chelsea have sort of, they've almost changed too much in one window. Their squad's looking very, very different because of how much they've done. And it's, it's just, I think, you know, give it, given a couple more weeks, you'll really start to see the sort of new look Chelsea. Yeah. And once their new keeper comes in, it sort of, it gives you so much more confidence having a good keeper behind you. You know, with Kepper and goal, the defenders are probably panicking that they they've got to stop every single shot from going off because they have no faith in him. Yeah. So hopefully that will you know give them some presence coming out from the back and they'll be able to improve. Yeah. So that's Chelsea, and we know uh, Arsenal are also looking for a top four challenge. Spurs as well, obviously with the signing of Gareth Bale, he's the one who I guess escaped from prison in La Liga <laughs> to come to the Premier League. Um, they're also looking to charge for top four, but United, I guess, where do they fit into the picture? Because you think all, all those sides are, you know, maybe not quite on the pace for the league title, but certainly top four challenges. Mm-hmm. United clearly not looking like league challenges and probably not really looking like top four challenges at the moment. Um, I, we'll be there or thereabouts, but genuinely, if we don't sign anyone in the next five days, wherever it is, before the deadline closes, then yeah, we won't get top four. It's as simple as that. Our squad. It's got to say that Leicester and Everton are significantly better than United right now. 100%. I'd 100% agree with you. You look at that, especially Everton, you look at that front six, it's just phenomenal. The midfield is so balanced. James is playing out of his skin. And they've got, you look at the bench, they've actually got some decent players on there. Whereas we've got Jesse Lingard, you know. it's, it's... <laughs> And the problem with us is we've had Jesse Lingard as our main sub for the last five years and he's never been good enough. So that says it all you need to know, but it's going to be a very busy day, hopefully, for Woodward over the next five days. But as it's I say, if it won't make a exactly, he's going to be chilling at home, lovely jubbly. But I'm, I'm concerned. Should we just about get the season. get the Sun journalist down there and see what he's up to? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we need we need to get. Um, I'm just honestly, it's so bad at this point. You know, you you look at that first game against Palace, and it's just to have Fosu Mensah and Dan James starting a Premier League game for us at this point. It's it's just it's so worrying, you know, going forward. And we're two or three key injuries away from literally having nothing available and being a mid-table team. So, I think if Maguire got injured, that would be the biggest one for you guys because I, realistically, I, I like Bailly, but other than that, I don't rate any of your other centre-back options. And Bailly is permanently injured, yeah. really. So. <laughs> it's a shame because Bailly, for me, is our best centre-half. Obviously, Maguire as well. Those two could form a really good partnership, but... As you say, Bai plays one game, he's out for six months, comes back, gets injured again. Like it's, <laughs> it's so frustrating with him. Um, I think Lindelof, he was so poor against Palace. wasn't great against Brighton either. I'd, he's not. 
he's not like a Laporte or Van Dijk. He's not even like a Joe Gomez or anything like that. It's it's getting rough. I mean, Luke Shaw is obviously not good enough. He's too busy at Burger King. I, just... <laughs> I think well, it's, it's, in, it's interesting. We've spent a lot of time on this podcast so far. But we're twenty minutes in now, and we've talked a lot about injuries. And I think you know we've talked City only having thirteen senior players, mm. United struggling defensively with injuries, Chelsea not being able to compete with their stars out injured. Is that a sort of you know a real uh, problem with starting the season so quickly after the last one that players have another chance to recover? And uh, there's been not really a proper pre-season. There's been European qualifications, Carabao Cup in the mix. Yeah, Do you think yeah. it's it was up to the sort of, you know, UEFA, the Premier League, maybe we should delay the start of the season a little bit longer. Should they have done that? I, obviously, we've got the rescheduled Euro 2020 to come next <laughs> summer. But, you know, if these things can be moved, they can be moved again. Why couldn't we push that back a few weeks and, you know, have a proper pre-season? Yeah, Sorry, Harren, yeah, you go on. I was, was going to say, I think, if, if you look at both United and City, they both obviously paid, uh, played in um, in the respective European competitions at the end of last season. And I can I think you're starting to see the price of that already in terms yeah. of the amount of rest that both teams couldn't get because you had about two or three-week window where we weren't really playing and then back to playing in Europe again. And then we both got knocked out quite early, to be fair. But then there wasn't much time left to then properly recover again. Arsenal no. could be argued the same thing with the Community Shield and Liverpool with that coming quite early. Because uh, that was a few weeks before the start of the Prem. But I, I think these things just haven't really been looked out so well by UEFA, no. uh, by by the FA. Uh, and I think some teams are definitely going to struggle, struggle this season, at least the beginning of the season. I mean, for me, you're already seeing it at Spurs as well. I mean, Son obviously went off with a hamstring injury the weekend. Spurs' schedule is unbelievable. I was looking at it. You think they play tonight, they play Thursday, then they play Sunday, then they play Wednesday. It's just unbelievable how fast these games are going. And the game in Thursday is in Poland or something stupid. You know, they were in Macedonia last week. Week before that, they were in Belarus. No wonder Mourinho is not unhappy. Like, the schedule... Is it for me? It seems like there's a Carabao Cup game every day. Like I don't understand. They're rushing to get yeah, this so competition this, done. I don't know what. Is there a reason for it? Every week. This, this is round. the third round of the Carabao Cup. So they've, they've played one every week in September so far, because it's because normally it would start in August. I think the second or first week of August, even the Carabao Cup normally starts. So they've already lost four weeks, and the idea is to fit it in um, in the sort of crowded schedule. Just after Christmas, uh, with the with the final coming up in end of February or whenever it normally is, but obviously they have um, got rid of the FA Cup replays, I guess, to try mm-hmm. and make space. But it doesn't seem like there's that that much space at this stage in the season. Like you mentioned, Spurs playing so much. Yeah, I'm, I honestly can't believe it. And obviously, when the Champions League gets going again, you know we're going to be stuffed. I mean, the squad depth is really going to be tested. I mean, obviously, then players could contract corona. I mean, it's happening a lot across across Europe now. I think there's 14 Genoa players in Serie A all got corona at the same time. So, if there's a big well, outbreak it, like that, have in in you read about the um, UEFA stipulation? I know it definitely applies to international teams. I'm not sure if it applies to domestic teams as well, but they say that every team must have 13 players available, including a goalkeeper. Oh wow! So if if you have Less if you have more than that many people off uh, with coronavirus, then 
you're at liberty to to cancel the game. But if you if you as long as you got 13 players, including at least one keeper, then you you have to play. Wow, I mean it's it's just it's crazy, isn't it? When you think of it like that. Obviously, City have got all these players with Corona. Obviously, Pogba had it, and there's a few other players that we've had who've now recovered. But it's a little outbreak. Like West Ham had a few players, and obviously David Moyes all getting Corona at the same time. The squad depth is just going to get depleted, depleted, depleted. Suddenly, you're in the Champions League going to Bayern Munich with you play the under-23 squad out there. You know, it's, <laughs> it's really going to favour... And that's why I think teams like Everton and teams like that who aren't in European competitions could really benefit this year um, mm. against the teams, you know, like all the other big boys that are in Europe this season. Um, they it really is interesting because it... It does beg the question of, you know, what what do we prioritise, I guess, more generally outside of football? Because, you know, it, they have obviously got contracts signed with broadcasters and sponsors. They have to run these competitions. But we could be heading towards a, a second wave or third wave or whatever, which could have been could be even worse than the first mm. one uh, in terms of coronavirus cases and deaths. And, you know, at what, at what point does football get put on hold again? Obviously, it was quite explosive last time, the first wave of coronavirus so it was easy to say right let's stop it now but I think most people in football will argue well we should just carry on as best we can but at, at what point do, do you say well enough's enough and we need to cut down on all these on these fixtures it's very hard to sort of put a kind of definitive number on it but I do think that they should already be making plans to if need be go to this sort of bubble idea where you pick like the Midlands bubble was talked about where you just take all the players oh, yes. and <laughs> that idea returns we spoke about that a lot on the podcast uh, um, back in March and April yeah and then you can you can sort of just keep all the players the squads the training grounds keep it all isolated so that you know people aren't allowed in or out of it they can only mm. re- they can stay in their sort of accommodation go to training and stuff and uh, their families can be in the bubble as well but really they can't leave it oh, apart from you know certain right reasons i don't see it happening though i, th- I think that's just too yeah, i mean how long would that happen welfare and i like i don't think a player wants to be inside in bloody birmingham for <laughs> god for a, a great city a god mate. god no <laughs> good city but you're not even gonna be out like going to the bull ring or anything like that you're gonna be inside some training complex for a, a, maybe a few weeks or something I heard Warwick's nice doors. They're not going to put them on like, you know, like in like a shopping centre, Scott. No, obviously <laughs> not. They'd but, put them in sort of you know, like a nice complex. It'd be five, yeah, you know? it'd be a nice spa or anything, something like that. Yeah. Like they'd have their hairdressers inside the complex, <laughs> inside the bubble. Like imagine it, like they get this sort of famous Instagram hairdresser and they, he just goes and lives inside the Premier League bubble. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just it's just no se- separation from work, though, is it? It's, it'd be like if you're... Obviously, it's very different, but if I was going to the office and I was living in the office, even if it was a really nice office, I had everything I wanted, my the best hairdresser, I wouldn't want to be stuck <laughs> in that. I wouldn't want to be stuck in that situation. You've not got any hair to dress, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting there. But... Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see that idea happening. But in, it's it's going to be very interesting to see what happens across Europe and how each league is going to manage it on their own. I think yeah. at the minute they are just trying to do as much as they can. If you mm. if one or two of your players gets coronavirus, then then so be it. That's the case. But I think there is going to have to be a point where 
if it gets too much, they will stop it. I don't think it will get to that point. I think it's kind of managed enough. And with testing at the capacity it's at now, it's much easier to isolate those players that do say get it and do continue separately. So I, th I think it will continue as normal, but it's obviously always needs to be uh, monitored at a high level. Mm. It's interesting you mentioned uh, across Europe there, Hyren, because obviously at the, at the back of my mind with the international break coming up in a couple of weeks' time is that pan-Europe tournament coming next uh, next summer. And increasingly, Euro 2020, albeit in 2021, looks like it's not going to go ahead, or at least it'll go ahead without fans. Do you think perhaps this bubble idea could work for that instead? Um, for, for that, yeah, because that is more of... I mean, you, you look at camps that go to, say, Euros and World Cups anyway. It, it, I mean, in that respect, that's already quite normal. You could, I don't think you could do it in a league sense because it could be an indefinite amount of time, which obviously you're going you're to be thinking, when can I leave this bubble? When can I actually do things that I want to do in my spare time? players would be thinking that and so yeah but i think if we're all in the same situation you know if it, it could get to the point in a week two weeks four weeks time that you know we are locked down again who knows and the freedoms are restricted either way but it's whether yeah. your freedoms are restricted in your own house or if the freedoms are restricted within you know a bubble where you can play football and I, I suppose so if, if it got to that extreme circumstance then maybe but i i, I don't i don't see it happening personally didn't realise you were an epidemiologist. <laughs> oh, no. Doing some research. He's, got, he's got his own modelling software and everything at home. <laughs> so, Dawes, you mentioned earlier about um, your your squad looking a bit thin on the ground, but obviously one player might have solved that early on in the transfer window was Jaden Sancho, but that didn't come off, and I think you might owe me some money. Ooh. The transfer window's not closed yet, mate. That's all I'll say. We've got five days for Ed to do what he always does in transfer windows, negotiate, 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 and then on the last day, pay exactly what they wanted three months ago. So <laughs> we'll pay the full money, 108 million, which we should have paid three or four weeks ago. Had him at the start of the season, lovely gobbly. But of course, this is Mr. Woodward, in all in his infinite wisdom, decides he wants to negotiate. So I, I'm still I'm still fifty fifty that he'll join. I'm I mean I hope he do, I all this nonsense. I'll be wait till next summer is just ridiculous because next summer Barca will be wanting him, Madrid will be wanting him, and his price will go up. So that makes in, sense. in all honesty though, like it's not a silver bullet. Like just signing Sancho isn't suddenly going to make you title challengers. Oh no no no, of course not, of course not. But is he? I don't I don't even think it's worth the hundred eight million and all the fuss going through it. Like, I if it was me, I'd be looking at defensive options, potentially yeah. midfield options to build a side around rather than just sign someone for a ridiculous fee that's going to go on for months. I think our midfield, our midfield I'm happy with now. Obviously, Van Der Beek coming in is a great option. We need a left-back. It looks like we're getting Tellez from Porto if Woodward can actually pay the money. So that'd be a great signing. A centre-back is needed, but I don't think we'll get one. But we just need a right wing and he's just... He fits the bill. You know, he's 20 years of age. He could literally be our right winger for 10, 12, 13 years, you know. So, and then suddenly, if you look back in 10 years' time, the 100 whatever million pounds is nothing. So, mm. I think there's no one better for us in that position. He loves, obviously, he loves Rashford. He's great mates with all the boys. I just think 
it makes too much sense for Woodward to do it, and that's what worries me. Yeah, sometimes things don't work out as nicely as you like them, do they? Exactly. I mean, in, a, in an ideal world, he'd have signed on July first, but obviously, it's not gonna. It didn't happen that way, so we can see what mm. happens. Well, in football, you never know, so we'll wait and see. <laughs> on the fifth of October is the deadline. Yeah, I'll be. I'll be watching it. Oh God, Tracking. getting your wallet out that day, doors. <laughs> at this point 20 quid is irrelevant it's just it'd be more just the disappointment of not getting him would just be like yeah fair you can take the money mate and I'll go classic like Port Authority salary <laughs> they can't 20 pounds <laughs> uses oh, them to light God. the stove yeah. <laughs> <laughs> classic Roddy bringing up the, the stove <laughs> he loves stove right? he just loves it I just love cooking, mate. I don't think anyone else likes a stove with it, like a piece of paper. Depends if your sparker works or not. Oh, you. (laughs) Of course, the other big contentious thing that's uh, been going on in the Premier League over the last few weeks is the dramatic rise in uh, handball penalties. And this has come about after, I guess, a clarification of the rules from uh, FIFA and IFAB, who are the... uh, governing bodies when it comes to rulemaking in football and they've enforced the uh, the rule much more heavily in the Premier League this mm. year. I think the rule's been around for just over 12 months now and it was sort of highly enforced in Spain and Italy last year and they saw an increase in handball penalties and this year the Premier League refs and, and the VARs have been told, well, you must enforce this uh, kind of for consistency across the different competitions. But inevitably, it's led to how many handball penalties? Eight, eight was it already in the first three weeks? Yeah, eight. It's and that's compared to 20 or 19 in the whole of last season. So there's been a lot of pressure on referees to, I guess, go against the, the word of FIFA and then take their own view on it. What, what do you think on that, boys? Because obviously, if they did do that, then we would be it would be different rules for Champions League. It would be different rules for Europa League matches and different rules to La Liga and and Italy and France and so on. I don't think the rules will change this season. I, they, they'll they stay like they are, unfortunately for us. Um, they've been around, you know, in the Champions League, it's been the same for two or three years. Um, obviously, we got dealt in at PSG with it all those years, you know, a few years ago. Um, but, I mean, obviously it's disgraceful for me the one, the one against Dyer on the weekend was just, well, I just give up. And the one on Lindelof a few weeks ago, but for me, it's killing the game. It really is, but I can't see anything changing, especially with the idiots in charge of football. Unfortunately, they, it seems to me that the the people with power at FIFA and IFAB and all these haven't played a minute of football in their entire lives and just think, oh, we'll just change this rule. That'll be fine, without actually thinking about it. Um, it's as simple as that, really, but I can't see it changing. So we're going to have to put up with it for another another twelve months at least before they have a another rethink sometime next summer. I think I don't think anyone's suggesting that IFAB will change the rules, especially not until next summer. But yeah. there obviously is the possibility the Premier League could kind of break away and interpret the rule in their own way as it did, as they did last season. Do you think that's a possibility and something that should be done, or? I'd is love it, it too, yeah. Then does it become too complicated to have different rules for the Champions League and Premier League, you know, as as we've seen over recent seasons? Yeah, I'd, I'd love it personally. Um, but then, as you say, we go to the Champions League and it's a different rule again. Suddenly, 
you want that consistency. But I just I just hate the rule. I absolutely hate it, and I'd love to see it change. So I'm hoping that someone. I think there's a massive push for it. I mean, even Steve Bruce, who got dealt in by the decision last, you know, on the weekend, even he said it was a joke and shouldn't have been awarded. So if you've got the managers backing it and there's a lot enough pressure and pushback from those managers and pundits and players, etc., then hopefully the Premier League can make a change. But we shall see. Mm. What are your thoughts, Hiron and uh, David? Obviously, I think what would be most interesting to me is that players can now maybe just sort of almost aim for the arm. The attacking players can sort of try and knock it onto someone's arm and, and win a penalty. It's pretty crazy. I, I, it, there should be enough intelligence with... Um, I, I get the officials are trying to follow like the uh, the laws of IFAB. I, I understand that. But there should be a level between uh, how literally you take a law and then using common sense alongside that to actually be like well maybe in this situation you look back at the situation oh he had his hand here because of this there was nothing else he could have done that common sense idea it seems to have just disappeared and although it does make it consistent it makes it a ridiculous game and it, it like Dawes said it is killing football um it, it needs to be sorted out I, I think very soon if Ideally, for me, I'd, I'd have it changed after this international break coming up, but I don't know if they'll change it um, this season domestically if the whole of the continent and even the world are taking this view. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah, I think I think you can, I can see what they've tried to do in terms of they're trying to make refereeing consistent, so removing the interpretation of you know what's what sort of is an unnatural position or you know, what, what is a fair amount of reaction time, these things were never fully quantified. It was just up to the referee, which is which in some ways is, was a beautiful part of the game in terms of you could you never knew what the referee was going to do. Whereas with this, second you see it touch a hand, you just know it's a pen now. Whether they could adapt the rule and include some sort of circumstances where, for example, if if it if the ball is played by another player within a certain distance then they then it's not considered fair reaction time, so it doesn't count if it hits their hands. For example, the dire situation um, and stuff. Whether they can do an amendment like that to the rule to maybe keep the same idea but not have as many calls as we do. But there's also the argument of players will just adapt. They will sort of they will no longer raise their arms when they jump and stuff, which will be very odd to see and very unnatural. But maybe an adaptment players have to make to their games. I think it was it was highlighted on uh, match day two. I was watching on Sunday, and they were showing that Mourinho has obviously been coaching the Spurs side to have their arms behind their backs, sort of at all costs, and it didn't actually work out for them in the end. But they were almost extremely, uh, you know, by the book with arms behind their backs, even sort of in open play. So maybe that is the way it'll go. You know teams will adapt and we'll have to live with this at least for the next you know 11 10 months he's gonna see defenders jump in their box flopping like fishes it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> almost as much of a fish as matthew Dawes. here he is yeah. no fish caught, caught, caught by the portal forest he was <laughs> <laughs> uh, the wonder they're paying in 200k a week like. oh dear this catch I'm, as, as, final thing here boys i'm just looking here 
Jaden Sancho has not travelled with the Dortmund squad to Munich oh, for the game. Here <laughs> he is. It's happening, boys. You can run away from it. But have you opened oh, up Skyscanner no, no. yet? Monitoring all the flights from Germany to Manchester. Mate, at the end of the day, he hasn't travelled with a squad, mate. He hasn't travelled with a squad. So in football, you never know. Put it that way. Well, on that on that bombshell, I think we'll call call it a night. So thanks thanks very much for listening to our podcast after a few months out um hopefully we'll come back well maybe in another few months who knows we'll uh, i'm sure we'll do something else soon um but this has been i think it's all over and it is now